and she's the only one who makes a sexy baby not um, hugely babyish. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's just great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to be born Jennifer Tilly. You can't become Jennifer Tilly. Otherwise, all of us would, because why the fuck wouldn't right. you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we all had the ability to, to you know, shapeshift into Jennifer Tilly, there would be six billion Jennifer Tillys on this planet. It would absolutely <laughs> just turn into that episode of The Twilight Zone, the number 12 looks just like you, but it's just Jennifer Tilly. Like, that's what it would be. It's like, oh, I'm 18 and I get to choose. I will take the Jennifer Tilly model. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you just walk in a park, and there's like a a, a Matrix uh, reloaded scene of like you know 100 Jennifer Tilly's fighting in a in a, in a schoolyard. <laughs> That's what I Again. hope my version of heaven looks like when I die. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls sexy time is here that's right we're talking about embrace of the vampire on kill by kill after dark well greetings and salutations internet it's your old pal patrick hamilton coming to you once again from college just college this is the kill by kill podcast where we're uh, usually we're talking about horror movie characters in the order in which they die but because it's february we've decided to get romantic with it and give you some special after dark episodes and of course there's only one person i trust to make sure if i can transform into a super hot lady she'll tell me just stick to that form you don't have to look like martin kemp if you don't want to the one the only gina radcliffe how are you doing today gina uh, i'm just tossing out glowing ark necklaces to to everybody i see <laughs> here this is yours now you belong to me here this is yours now uh, oh 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 that's it so it doesn't matter if i just put this on the ground or leave it by the stairs where i'm sleepwalking i'll still have it but i'll lose my massive cross that my super dorky boyfriend gave me yep that's that's that is, that is vampire magic for you the Vampire magic rules in this movie are crazy. Well, I was, go- I was I going to say, I was going to say, flexible. <laughs> they fit your needs, uh, even though you're dying. Uh, okay, we can't get too far into it, Gina, because my my brain will start to leak out through my nose. So before that happens, I, I don't want to alarm you, but we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. Of course, you know her as a writer, a filmmaker, and one of the hosts of the fantastic This Ends at Prom podcast. And now I'm so proud to call her a returning champion to Kill by Kill. The one, the only BJ Collagio. Um, fuck, BJ, God damn it! I fucked up your name. <laughs> That's totally fine. It's Colangelo. And it's Colangelo. Been- it's written phonetically in front of me, BJ. Patrick. It is pronounced like it's spelled. My God. I know. Jesus <laughs> Christ. But it's right. fine. I've been here for two and a half minutes, which means titties are out. And we now have a score that sounds like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? We're keeping it on brand. <laughs> BJ Colangelo, everyone. Uh, I can't I can't say last names. I cannot say last names. Why can't I say last names? This, uh, when I put this on the schedule, because we're doing vampires this season. And I was like, okay, we're going to do sexy vampire. Well, what's a sexy vampire movie? 
And of course, you know, I wrote down a couple that, that made perfect sense. And then I looked at Embrace of the Vampire from 1995 and I said, that's a serious piece of cheese. <laughs> this, <laughs> that I remember not being particularly good, uh, but very entertaining and had not seen it since my original viewing. And I was quite surprised that the vast majority of it, it takes place in slow motion. And if it was all shown to you at regular speed, it would probably be 55 minutes. <laughs> and it's also got what, what I like to call the RuPaul's Drag Race season one Vaseline filter oh, yeah. uh, over a lot of those scenes. It is foggy. <laughs> Yeah, there's a Bob Streisand haze to the oh, entire yes. affair. Yeah, they used to call, I think they used to call it back uh, like the like the 40s or 50s. I think they called mayonnaise lens, where they would just yeah. like, you know like mostly just to kind of smooth out like what they perceive to be uh, signs of aging on a woman's face. But you know, yeah. for this, but, for this, I guess it just was to give everything sort of like this like fantasy edge to it. Yes. I assume to make you believe that if you saw Martin Kemp from Spandau Ballet in a silky pirate shirt. Oh boy. <laughs> if you saw him that way, you would go, who's that odd fellow? But with this lens treatment, you're supposed to go, oh, that is a romantic hot guy that I would do anything for. Even though all he does is yap in your fucking ear constantly. He like talks and he sulks and he nuzzles at breasts and that's about it. <laughs> I, I would say nuzzle at breasts is the perfect description, Gina, because no one can quite figure out how breasts work. In this. <laughs> no matter how many times they grab them, there's, there's they push nuzzle, their face there's, up against there's them. There's nuzzling, there's motorboating, there's biting. Uh, but like, it, it, yeah, yeah, this is like everybody's first time at this. In in one three twosome that becomes a threesome that becomes a foursome, somebody shoves knuckles at a person's breast. And I was like, guys, at least an open fucking palm. Come on. You know, maybe maybe it's a deep tissue massage. You know, we didn't really see what they were discussing before this turned into an orgy. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe it's a new kink and we're just out here kink shaming these strangers uh, in this cheese ball movie. I don't want to yuck anyone's yum, but this particular yum I find hard not to yuck. This is uh, this is a toughie, and not because there aren't attractive people involved, and not that it can't. It's not a reasonable fantasy subject to have an erotic thriller attached to, or anything like that. But the execution is so clumsy and odd and off-putting. It just is a it's a nightmare. <laughs> Let's just be, you know, let's just be up front and say that, that this entire movie is a Alyssa Milano bare breast delivery service. And right. you see, you see them a lot. Everybody is, seems to be, you know, perplexed and amazed by them to the point that they don't know what to do with them. Uh, right. And, you know, on, on that level, it succeeds. If you wanted to see what Alyssa Milano's breasts look like, there they are several times. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. This is what 
you know, the the child stars or teen starlets of the era used to do to be like, oh, yeah, I'm an adult. Take me seriously. They couldn't go twerk uh, at the MTV Movie Awards like they do now. They had to go, you know, titties out. <laughs> yeah. Made for TV the, movie. Right. This is about this is a couple of years after Drew Barrymore did Poison Ivy. So mm-hmm. now all the actors that were you know, coming of age at that point decided, well, I guess I have to do this, too. Yeah. They're announcing to the world. You've all been fascinated with these. Now you're going to see them <laughs> so that the videotapes will be warbled uh, during those scenes when I return this tape to Blockbuster. And there was like an endless parade of these. Um, and the first time I saw it was with a group of friends and we were just like riffing it. And it was a lot of fun. And then watching it this time, you know, alone in my office i felt weird i felt bad i felt like, well, bad about also, myself you know, and doubted you, the vision of the show and also you know you know let's let's be you know you're also you know middle-aged and well aware at this point of how old Alyssa mulatto is in this movie right yeah and it's, you got a little uh, bit of a i'm not supposed to be seeing this which i mean again legally you you, you can watch it it's okay But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, if, if, you know, if this had been a couple years later, there would have been a Alyssa Milano turns 18 in 477 days countdown, you know, on someone's very cheaply made website. (laughs) No, you're absolutely Uh, right. This is like the cinematic equivalent of knowing that the song 17 by Winger is a banger and really fun to sing along to (laughs) if you don't think about what you're singing about. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a number. It's it's an abstract construct. Uh, It's not associated with humanity. BJ, what was your first experience with this and I'll put it in deck fingers movie. <laughs> um, so I am a purveyor of trash. I am also a staunch defender of lifetime movies. Uh, a lot of these made for TV movies. So I watched a lot of these probably way too young um, just because I had a deep fascination with them. So mm-hmm. I know I watched this movie at some point in high school, but a lot of them sort of blended together. But sure. in my senior year of college, I went down this rabbit hole of wanting to watch erotic thrillers or just erotic movies in general directed by women. And this is directed by a woman, um, Anne Goussard. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I'm also bad at last names, but you know, she's Francis Ford Coppola's editor. So, you know, in my brain, I was like, oh, she's got some, you know, real talent to her. And I knew she directed Poison Ivy 2 with Alyssa Milano. So I was like, okay, I'm going to revisit this vampire movie that I'm pretty sure I've seen. And then in watching it, I was like, oh yeah, this is the Jennifer Tilly movie. I remember this because once you see Jennifer Tilly, she's etched in your brain forever. Um, so I remembered that, but in rewatching it, I just remember being like Jordan Ladd's in this movie playing a college student and she's going to play a high schooler five years from now or four years from now and never been kissed. Good for her. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember rewatching it uh, as a, as a college student very intently and being like, I feel like I'm watching 
a female director fighting with like a studio about what sex looks like because right. there are moments of it where I was like, this is a woman, like a woman directed the scene. Um, and then it gets to like girl, girl scenes. And I'm like, nope, she's, she's not directing this anymore. She's getting notes <laughs> from somewhere else. This is not what women kissing is like. They've asked her to come to a trailer and they've brought her breakfast and behind her back on just film this scene. She'll never know. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's ridiculous. I, I want to say off the top, this is a bad movie. This is like not a good movie, but no. do I love this movie? Also? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're often fond of uh, when we hit a movie like this to just let people know it's not good but it might be great under very specific <laughs> circumstances. I think that you had the right idea of seeing it with a group of people and riffing on it. Like this is definitely a party movie. This is the movie you watch with your friends and you cackle about how ridiculous it is because as far as a plot, not really a plot, like no. sort of a plot. This is the plot of like a 14 year old writing fan fiction. Yes. yes and there's absolutely. a lot of yes and there's an axe cop quality to this gina yes yeah yeah i would totally agree yeah as far as like a plot goes like i can talk about the movie in the order in which things happen i can't guarantee it's a story that's going to make any sense well and that's the thing things don't happen you know she she has <laughs> dreams but she has a dream you know sexy dreams about this strange guy who mm. turns out to be real and he's a vampire and his wife but wife she was wife <laughs> his, uh, beloved. His, his, yeah, his beloved was 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 killed and he has this very complicated elaborate thing that he must go through in order to bring her back and apparently you know he has to drink the blood of a virgin but his idea of getting close to this woman is making her feel very horny which I'm like, well, that's yeah. like, that's kind of the opposite, you know, effect that you want to have on somebody that you, you need to ensure stays a virgin for, for this, 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 this spell, I guess you have to cast. But he also like, he needs her to want him and not, and not just like disconnect her from the romance she's having with this very bland, you know, turkey sandwich of a man. Who's been haunting her dorm room for a year, but she's 17. What they've been dating for a year. So, like, since she turned 17, they've been dating. That's, I think, what we're supposed to glean from this. And I understand why it's 18, because we culturally have such stock of like, well, once you're 18, then you're an adult and whatever, whatever. So, like, I get it. But also the logistics behind what this movie is actually about, it makes it so creepy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And like, I was absolutely like having sex at 17 so like i'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination but when an entire movie is centered around like the ageless vampire you know fascinated with 17 year old girl yes this is a twilight call out it's weird it's weird yeah it is weird and well, the yeah, fact that but- like his existence depends on on doing this within three days and he spends two and a half of those days fucking around just <laughs> <around>. <laughs> like, fucking do something 
I swear to God, I get motivated to do work faster than this guy does to try to prevent his eternal sleep. Well, it's he he has the ability to enter her dreams, which Mm -hmm. seems to me it's like, why don't you put that energy into maybe, oh, I don't know, casting a mind control spell or or right. you know, something like that. Like obviously, if you can Freddy Krueger yourself into a person's dreams, then yeah. clearly you have some control over their subconscious thoughts. So yeah. it, it, it seems to me you cut out the middleman of you farting around in her dreams, and just you know you put a you know just some sort of you know, hey look over here look at me. Yeah, do, do what I say. Her into you know, a, a vampire, an like like a vampire would actually do. See, oh but he God. can't do that because he's too busy brooding in a clock tower, like he's the Phantom of the Opera mixed with Quasimodo. Like he's right. just got to sit up there and be against a black backdrop and brood. <laughs> How did he end up in this fucking clock tower? Why did he decide to light there? And he's finally like, oh, she arrived. The reincarnation of my lady love. Um, so I've got three days until I die as an eternal vampire. Um, so I'll spend like two plus of those days just like being Freddy Krueger light. <laughs> and, and like shape, and like shape shifting and, and you know, appearing to as different people. And it's like, okay, you have all of those yeah. abilities, but you don't have hypnotism <laughs> that, seems, that seems like vampire 101 the typical overconfidence her- of men like, <laughs> that's what he's doing i don't need three days i'll take half a day sir well, he's, he's negging her this entire time like what well, do you really love this what this man and just so you know audience who has not seen this film if you haven't Martin Kemp from Spandau Ballet is playing the quote-unquote the vampire. He doesn't even have a name. His, his name not even like Jimmy or Frank or Goofus. Whatever he is, he's just now the vampire. And he can make you walk out of your dorm in the middle of the night in a billowy cotton nightgown and and just like paw you on metal stairs, which... Who wants to be pawed on metal stairs? We've had some really rough dry humping on this show, starting with Friday the 13th, the original, on a wood dock. Mm -mm. But metal fucking stairs outside in Canada or wherever the fuck this is? Fuck no. This this is the worst pawing I've ever seen in cinema. You might as well be on a giant cheese grater at that point. <laughs> it can't be comfortable. It can't be comfortable for anyone involved. And there's not one, but two attempted sex scenes on this staircase. And they are treated as if they are on opposite sides of town. Mm-hmm. They sure are. <laughs> you know, BJ, you mentioned something that, you know, you said you were, you were, you were having sex at 17. See, I wasn't uh, shockingly. I know. Um, but, but, uh, the, a lot of the characters in this movie, including her roommate, who is Rachel True, there's a lot of horror people in this movie, which is which is interesting. You've got Rachel True, you've got Jordan Ladd, um, but you know these two people in particular are absolutely 
stupefied that she is a virgin. And, and you know, it, this is, this is a point of great consternation to, to yes. everybody around her. Like, fine. I, I get that the boyfriend is, is concerned with the fact that she's still a virgin, but like her roommate and this girl who's like a, I guess she's sort of a frenemy. And then they're sort of competing for the same guy at some point. And they're just, they, they can't, they can't get over this, that, that she's, she's an 18 year old, she's an 18 year old virgin. And it's like, you know, no, no one would have cared that. No, no one would have cared. No one would have cared that much that, you know, that, that you're in college and you're still a virgin. Yeah, at that point, it just becomes like, okay, well, let's just make sure that you don't lose it to some weirdo on campus. Like that, it becomes the mindset of all of the floozy friends is taking care of our virginal Yeah, but it's like, it's like literally like, hey, how about that guy? Why don't you just yeah, go have sex? Why, no. why don't you just go have sex with that guy and get it over with? Yeah, just you're in a basement. Here's a swinging dick. Just have at it. <laughs> campus is dangerous. People are creeps. Yes. I, like Rachel True's character, Mo, let's put that out front. Characters like, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And just shoves her in the direction of this rando guy who immediately is like, date rape time, looks at his watch. Yes. Clocks in and immediately attempts to date rape her. And the only thing that stops it is, of course, variable power vampire man who comes out of the darkness and grabs this guy by the jaw in the most awkward fucking oh fashion. Oh my God. That no whole, one told Martin Kemp how to bite somebody on the neck. That no. whole scene <laughs> is when he's trying to bite Rachel true through that net. I, I was, I was oh dying. <laughs> I was just like this Patrick, this may be among the most egregious. You want a second take on this? No? Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> We're going to go with him, like, like chewing at the, trying to push the net out of the way. Like, he's, like, eating, like, too, oops, too much spaghetti on my fork. <laughs> I'm surprised both of them didn't come away with severe rope burns. Because she's acting like she's somehow caught in this net when she's just leaned back into it. She's holding on to it. The only thing attaching her to that net is her, and then he's forcing his face through parts of it to awkwardly nibble at her neck because no one has told him how to bite consistently. And he's kind of like, and it's like, that's not, this is not sexy. This is not scary. This is just weird. It's all weird. Weird is like being generous as well like i want to make that also clear and i do love that throughout this episode we have like not really discussed anyone's character names because it's such a non point like it's just oh, like yeah. nope that's rachel true and jordan ladd and Alyssa Milano. i honestly right don't i honestly don't remember any of the any of the character names i watched it friday and it's like already fading from my memory <laughs> <laughs> i just yeah, it starts with Martin Kemp in this very fantasy sequence, and he's got a silk shirt on, and he looks about fifteen years too old to be doing it. Yeah, well, let me let me point out to you—he's a reasonably attractive guy. This uh, this this intro, this fantasy intro, where he's attacked by these like like the Wikipedia page describes him as a nymphs. 
And I'm like, sure, they're nymphs. Uh, uh, you know, no, sure. It's basically but, like Harker and the Three Brides. It is. is. And, yeah. and, you, and yeah. you mentioned that the director uh, is uh, collaborated with Francis Ford Coppola, and she did in Bram Stoker's Dracula. So, so <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So she definitely. I mean, that's if if this scene looks very much like that, it's because she edited that scene. So it's basically yeah. it's basically the same scene, just now their their breasts are exposed, and it's in daylight, <laughs> which which you know it's kind of marked. right, which it's kind of negates right, which kind of negates the idea that they're vampires because this is in broad daylight that this is happening. Well, the vampires in this in this movie have entirely different powers than a normal vampire. There's it's almost nonsensical to call them vampires outside of the fact that they constantly talk about blood and they awkwardly nibble the neck for blood. But everything else that they do is some other thing, like an onk from the mummy and forest nymphs and all this stuff and everyone walking in slow motion. None of this has to do with vampires. It's just like they got sold a name and they're like... Ah. He's a vampire. Crank up the Enya. Will that help? If we call the movie the Nosferatu Diaries, I did not remember this part. That was new to me. (laughs) This this is a red shoe diary as written by fucking Quill by the lead singer of Spandau Ballet in a giant book of poetry in his college dorm. What the fuck? This is supposed to be sexy. And it's not. It's not. It's just not. This is supposed to be sexy. I was, I was so, I feel ripped off. I didn't pay anything for this. I don't think I paid anything for it either time. I think I worked at Blockbuster and got it for free the first time I watched it. So I'm not contributing at all to the Nosferatu Diaries uh, bottom line. Well, when when this movie first came out, like, you know, obviously everybody made a big deal about it because it was a lot of getting naked in it. But all mm-hmm. the promotional material would have you believe that the the vampire of the title is solely Charlotte Lewis, who is this yeah. photographer that apparently this vampire has the ability to look like her, which I, I'm not entirely clear on, but but... Like, if you looked up anything about this movie when it came out, it was a you know, lesbian vampire movie. It's a, she's in a lesbian vampire movie. And it's like, mm, that's a very, very, very you know, infinitesimally tiny part of this movie. Like, you would have no idea like uh, that there was anything to do with a male vampire. I wish there wasn't anything to do with a male vampire. Everything, all of it was all, you know, the same, always the same promotional shot of her and Charlotte Lewis kissing each other. And, you know, the idea is, is that it is entirely her that is, you know, luring Alyssa Milano over to the dark side. And no, it's just this vampire. It's like, well, you know, I'm not turning her on. What if I appeared to her as a sexy lady photographer? And like, this is no shade to, to our vampire, the vampire here. But if I had the ability to turn into Charlotte Lewis, that would be the only form I ever took. Right. Exactly. He, later on, he turns into Jennifer Tilly. 
Like, you're not walking around like Jennifer Tilly 24 fucking 7. (laughs) Would be such a better movie if you yeeted this dude immediately. And it was just (laughs) Jennifer Tilly fighting for her soul. I'm in. I'm invested. I don't care how much slow motion is in this. I am totally down with Jennifer Tilly being a vampire who tears her way through a fucking college campus. And instead, I get this guy negging her in her ear during (laughs) class when she's asleep, when she's just walking around. Why don't you love me? You You cannot take it to heaven. Like, shut the fuck up. You know, if I if I had the ability to just transform into random hot babes, I, I would be totally fine not having hypnotism as a power. <laughs> yeah, exactly, a hundred percent, yes. <laughs> and I just it's just, so like the the plot of this thing is uh, Draco Ballet here is uh, I don't know <laughs> just, Draco Ballet, it's like the it goth constant, cover band. <laughs> He's. He's just hanging out in college. He doesn't go. He doesn't even go there. He's found the soul of his ex princess lover, and he must drink her blood within three days, or he goes sleepy time forever. And that's it. That that that's the sum total of the plot. And you have Alyssa Milano. I do have her character name. She's if she's playing Charlotte, and you know this because there's brown undertones to her lipstick in this movie. <laughs> We all know Alyssa Milano from such projects as Who's the Boss? Charmed, becoming the enemy of every other lead of Charmed. Uh, Co-starring in that Netflix show that started out as a pilot for the CW about a girl who gets her jaw wired shut after a robbery incident, becomes hot, kills off beauty pageant contestants that she doesn't like. That was a real show. And just last month, becoming the main character of the internet for posting a $10,000 GoFundMe for her kids' little league team, despite her and her husband being multi-fucking millionaires. So Alyssa Milano's been having it great, and no better cap off is to recount the entirety of Embrace the Fucking Vampire, a movie I'm sure she would love to be buried for all eternity. <laughs> One thing that I will also give Alyssa Milano, she does get credit where credit is, is due, mm-hmm. is she has been very vocal about how weird a lot of people are about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because back then she was like, this was me gaining autonomy of the characters that I played and becoming, you know, more than just this kid star and people immediately made it weird, um, which they did. And I also read an interview with Anne Gorsand where she talked about how this movie was made for like probably $500,000. And she estimates it's probably made like 15 million in home right. video and rentals. And it's like, yeah, there's not a lot to this movie. So we know why people are getting it. And I can only imagine like the weird stuff people have said to her over the years. Um, I don't know if either of you have ever seen like an interaction at a horror convention when like someone is talking to a figure like, I don't know, like Daniel Harris is a, is a, a really easy example of this. People will say the wildest shit to women in horror movies or vampire movies that they masturbated to when they were 14. They like, for whatever reason, think it's totally cool to tell that person to their face that they've done it. And I've watched it happen on 
on multiple occasions where I'm like, in what universe is that an acceptable thing to say to a person? <laughs> well, yeah, I think, I think, well, I think because like, you know, women in horror, as you know, as you and I would know from, you know, spending time on Twitter, uh, you know, there's a, there's a perception that, you know, oh, you know, you guys are cool. You can take, you know, any kind of, you know, weird shit being said to you. You know, you like weird stuff. You're into weird things. And it's like, eh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a wild assumption to make. You know, just because, you know, you are comfortable, you know, with, with certain, you know, horrifying things that, you know, that means you are comfortable with, you know, anything, you know, with people acting a certain way towards you. So, yeah, I can see where people would, would think that. It's like, oh, you must be cool and laid back. So I'm just going to, to tell you about my masturbation habits. <laughs> right. And it's like, you can absolutely talk to somebody about the movies that they've been in where these scenes exist without being a weirdo about it. It's actually quite easy to do, yeah. but yeah. you know, some people, they just can't hang and they have to make it weird. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, being in this town for as long as I have almost my entire life, being the good hang is the hardest component of it is not being uncool and not in the sense that I'm a cool guy. Everyone wants to hang with, but not, not finding yourself blurting out the dumbest fucking shit because it occurs to you because all of a sudden this individual by sheer f- fact that their job is to appear on screen and you have a relationship with them that they do not have with you. You have to rein that shit in. And control yourself like you're at a job, like you're with your family, like you're with friends and not be a complete asshole. This, these things are not hard to do, but surprisingly easy to uh, let lapse. And yeah, I mean, so, that's, uh, that's the key. That's the, that's the key. They hold you. Know, you have you have a relationship with them that they don't have with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, the parasocial relationships that people have with celebrities, uh, you know, random people that they see on the internet or, you know, the people that they view are pivotal to them because I do not doubt that this movie was probably a massive awakening for a lot of people. And, you know, there is something kind of cool about that. Like everybody remembers your first and like that makes whoever was in the movie kind of a very important figure to you and there's no shame in that you don't have to then recount the details of that awakening to said person (laughs) right (laughs) it doesn't make it better it only makes it worse (laughs) it's weird don't do it (laughs) (laughs) If if you are going to insert yourself into someone's life at least have the you know integrity and the forward forward thinking to onk them first. This is how you get to know somebody. You onk them. You onk them hard, and then the onk glows, and then you get into sexy dream time. This is how I met my wife. I'm sure PJ is how you met yours. You know, you you onk somebody, and then you're bonded, and then you can neg them in their head for the entire length of a motion picture. Can we talk about how hideous that onk necklace is? Because in a lot of like vampire movies or any sort of these supernatural movies where it's like, here's this like magical necklace you're going to wear. It's at least like beautiful jewelry. Like I think about like the necklace that uh, Robin Lively wears in Teen Witch and it has like this triangle and like a beautiful gemstone in it. This onk necklace 
looks like it was made in like a like a, a preschool craft time. It is so hideous and gaudy. Yeah. And, and, you know, and only, made, only made worse that it glows. Oh, it's <laughs> awful. Terrible. And everyone looks great. And once it starts to glow, like Alyssa Milano, I think we can all in an uncreepy way just say, just a very classically attractive face. Oh, very she's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful lady. But when a blue glowing onk is on her chest and that casts a blue shade across her face, she's as unattractive as any person can be because no one but no one looks good in that kind of blue from underneath their chin. That's that's a tough look. Are you trying off. to say that like campfire tails lighting is not uh, flattering for people? <laughs> I'm saying it works for the tweens who are telling <laughs> stories at the Midnight Society, and that's about it. Oh yeah, it's um, not. It's not great. But like, and, and to your point though, everyone though in this movie, I would say, say for Martin Kemp again, like not trying to shade him, he is an attractive man. This movie's just not doing it for him it's not doing him any favors but like like little goth era Alyssa milano so beautiful jordan ladd with her like very very cute blonde bob so adorable rachel true is looking so gorgeous in this movie i mean this is bound era jennifer tilly so like what really needs to be said at this point like everybody looks gorgeous in this movie except for the vampire which makes it so much harder for me to buy into this idea of like, oh yeah, if I was being dream invaded by this guy, I would also start having sex with everybody because I'd be so turned on. Like, no, I'm not. My, I can suspend my disbelief for a lot of things. Not that. No, I mean, like, I, I, listen, uh, women's bodies and looks are talked about uh, constantly. So I, I really don't feel a lot of shade just attacking Martin Kemp, who's miscast here. And often will come off looking like if you woke up out of a dead sleep and saw Nick Cage next to your bed, and you're like, is that Nick Cage? <laughs> is that not Nick Cage? It's Martin Kemp. Okay, I can go back to sleep. Well, the, yeah. the, the, the thing is, she's got a boyfriend, and mm. he's a complete dork. Yes. But at least he's cute in a kind of boy band sort of way. Like, like, you know, neither, neither he or Martin Kemp have any sort of charisma to speak of. Not, not, no. not a drop. Uh, you know, I just think you're, I think you're supposed to just, you know, assume because, well, just by, you know, default, cause he's a vampire, this is going to be the more charismatic one that she's drawn to for reasons she can't explain. But I mean, at least the boyfriend, you know, he's, he's fine looking. He, you know, he's appealing. Again, he seems like, you know, he might have been a second tier member of New Kids on the Block at the time. But, but you know, I, I could certainly see where, you know, a nice girl, 18 year old would be drawn to him more than this sort of like, like, you know, pasty cure fan. <laughs> yeah, he's, Who is he's like fucking Goldfinger the way he explains <laughs> plans to you constantly. You just, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. And before you know it, like three minutes have gone by with him yippity yapping in your fucking ear. Yeah, the so the boyfriend in this, um, he is he's such a wiener like and i don't mean to insult the man who played him is is more the character um but all of the women in this movie are like tens across the board and all of the men in this movie are like 
sixes on a good day. And and it's just, and it is because he is such a wiener. Like he is absolutely your first real boyfriend out of high school that you date for like a year in college. And then you break his heart when you realize how boring he is. And then he goes back home and works at his dad's used car dealership. Like that's who this guy is. Charlotte, you can do better. You don't have to do better than a vampire. You don't have to get the vampire, but like you can certainly do better than this guy. Yeah. Listen, everyone loves a guy who's willing to take off his shoes before he takes you to bed. Um, I do love that when he picks her up off the stairs because he believes that he's just been called psychically. He knows she's in trouble. He arrives to this college campus in his Ford four door and picks her up off the stairs and emits a dad groan. <laughs> she is wearing like a hundred pounds soaking wet. And he goes, when he picks her up off the ground <laughs> and they recorded the audio and they're like, we keep that in. That's not a good decision. It's not helping things at all. No. No, it's not. And also going back to suspending of disbelief, at one point he is seduced by the Jennifer Tilly vampire and yeah. resists her. I call bullshit. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. I'm sorry. There's there's nothing less relatable to me than <laughs> right. making out with Jennifer motherfucking Tilly and going, this isn't something I need. Uh, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, especially, especially since it's been established numerous times how deeply horny he is. Yes. Yes. He's terminally horny. Yes. Yeah. At that point, it's just like, oh, you're a vampire? Sick. I could do this forever. <laughs> Even better. And, oh my God. We've confronted this, I think, ever since Scream. And we at least that's when we gave voice to it. And that is the phenomenon of, have you considered my penis? <laughs> and throughout this movie, Chris is uh, the uh, second most predominant, have you considered my penis, next to Martin Kemp, who's, have you considered my vampire penis? That's the only difference between the two of them. You're not wrong. And the movie also, like, <laughs> kind of implies that, like, one is better than the other. Like, Martin Kemp's vampire penis is dangerous and you should try to be resisting. But you know what? You should pr- you maybe throw throw a bone to Chris. Maybe. That's, that's what love is. And it's like, what? <laughs> no. No. I don't care how many maroon shirts he wears. And he seems to have an endless parade of maroon shirts. It doesn't help that... <laughs> The theme to this movie seems to be three quarters of the endless love theme. Every like, my vampire, there's only you in my life. There's just not the refrain at the end. And every time it plays, you're like, you're going to get sued. You're going to get sued real hard. And then Alyssa Milano comes out of a bedroom dressed like beige Aunt Jemima. Oh my God, this yeah. outfit. What is that? <laughs> what the fuck is she, that sock on her head? Like, she looks like, uh, what do they call it? A, a, um, uh, a balaclava where you like, where it looks like you're always about to rob a liquor store. Right. Like, it looks like someone just gave her one and like, here, like, wear this sort of like a beanie, I guess, where it's sort of slumped over and you I'm like, like, again, I was an adult in 1995. And I'm like, I don't remember anybody dressing the way her character dresses in this movie. And yeah, I get that she's supposed to be virginal. So she she does, you know, she, she dresses kind of like a Mormon sort of 
or, you know, you know, Hasidic kind of like, you know, you know, covered in fabric from neck to ankles, you know, solely so, you know, she, we can you know, juxtapose that with at the end where she's wearing the like, you know, the, 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 the velour mini dress and stuff like that to just, you know, show how much she's changed and how this vampire's had such old, it's like, no, everybody was wearing the velour mini, the, the crushed velvet mini dresses in 1995, right. regardless of whether you were a virgin or not. Yeah, this movie seems to believe that she shouldn't. That the journey is beige to red velour. <laughs> like like she, okay. she wears a, she wears this like sort of like like non in training uniform. Like five, <laughs> five minutes after just casually stripping down in in front of her boyfriend and just doing a little, oh, I'll just look the other way. Yeah, and and of course she's also. And not that I'm forcing underwear on her, but she's braless underneath this very weird blouse. It's like, choose a lane. I don't know. <laughs> like, and then it seems uncomfortable. It seems I'm like, again, you don't have to wear a bra for me, but it is a very different vibe to be braless in a white button down shirt. Well, here's and the thing. I mean, I think, I think that she, she is telegraphing like the the idea is it's fetishizing virginity mm-hmm. where where you know she's not dressed like a regular college student would be she's all buttoned down and and mm-hmm. she's insecure about her absolutely banging body you know, <laughs> because it's it's like it, it's it, it was kind of a take on that you know oh you know she was so beautiful but she didn't know it <laughs> and like, right and it's like oh my god I could hear your wrist cramping from here, man. Like the way that virginity is presented in film is so fascinating to me because this year is 1995. This is the year of another very, very famous virgin in a teen movie, a virgin who can't drive, so to speak. Cher Horowitz and Clueless is also a virgin and does not look like she's wearing a, a, a fashionable potato sack to no. explain her virginity. So it's really interesting to be like, well, how are we going to make it very obvious that she's going on this transformation? Well, she has to start out looking like she got clothes from a church basement. Right, then right. we're yeah. going to transform. Where, yeah, where, where Cher, you know, Cher's virginity is supposed to be relatable. Even this popular girl is a virgin and it's not a big deal, you know, I mean, and she's still a virgin by the end of the movie, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, but, you know, she, she dresses like regular people. Yes. <laughs> Who would have thought, what a wild concept right. that virgins are regular people. And, Who would have guessed? Yeah. And, and here it's like, well, you know, you fashion this tablecloth into a crude dress. <laughs> because you know we have to telegraph to, to the audience that you know it's it's not that you you know have just simply chosen to not have sex yet or just haven't found the right guy it's that you know you're insecure about your body and you don't mm. want men thinking about it even though they're very much going to be thinking about it yeah instead like she's she's squeezed into these weird raggedy and bleached in the sun affairs what i uh, will 
like very much hail this movie for though, because I love it. It's one of my favorite tropes is the idea that suddenly embracing sexuality also makes your hair more voluminous. Um, (laughs) I love that trope because she starts and she has like, you know, her cute little bob and she tucks it behind her ears. And then by the end of it, it's like, Oh, someone discovered a blow dryer and a round brush. I love it. She has like, she has like MTV video vixen hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. She's discovered a volumizer by the end of this oh, and a real so good, good leave-in conditioner <laughs> and you know the first so, thing you know it's, 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 it's you remember back in the day that you, you, when you, Patrick, when you lose your virginity, they, they give you, they give you, you know, birth control and a, and a can of hair mousse. That's right. <laughs> Congratulations. Go with God. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, you might find that the your acne cleans up a, a little bit with this too. It, 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 there's all sorts of side benefits to your it. Your lipstick gets about two shades darker and it's way mm-hmm. better for your complexion. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it's, it's not washing you out. It's actually adding dimension to your face. Yes, it's um, great. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, there's weird dynamic. Where Chris, the boyfriend, is desperately trying to get her to sleep with him before her 18th birthday. As if she has an expiration date attached to her hymen. It's super fucking weird. And then Vampire Ballet is just a yip, yip, yip. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to sleepy time in three days in her ear on top of that. And every other scene, she's like, I lost my cross. I got onked. I took off the onk. I'm not onked anymore. And then everyone else reacting the fact that she exists being a virgin, um, like Rachel True, who just cannot wrap her brain around the idea that Chris has emerged from Charlotte's dorm room. Like math is floating around her head at the implications of what this means. Yeah. A college dorm room is considered like this Dionysian party zone where like just you know, you know, nude people are just walking around the hallways <laughs> like it's nothing. And it's just like, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, college dorms are generally when you're just expected to be a slob and, and you know, not, not just, you know, you puttering around topless where where your, your, your dorm mates can see you. Right. I do have to, okay, I have to have a confession. This is like a side tangent, but it's relatable. I definitely did do that in college, but it was as an act of protest because <laughs> our, I was on like a, like a mixed gender dorm floor my sophomore year and uh, our RA had like a meeting and it was like, if you didn't come to this meeting, then you can't, you know, participate in any of the rules that we've established for the floor or whatever. But that meant the entire theater department couldn't be there because we all had rehearsal. And so we go back and there's this big sign on the, on the, wall that's like the rules of the dorm floor and it's like you have to escort all of your guests to the bathroom okay that's fair you know don't be super loud okay that's fair but one of the rules on there was if you have a hot bod show it off if you don't put a shirt on and I was like you don't get to decide what that means so congratulations y'all are seeing saggy titties and back rolls for the rest (laughs) of the week because how dare you? Um, because that's the kind of person I was in college. <laughs> so maybe I would have fit in at the school just being topless in the halls. Just walking around the, walking around the nude in the background while, while they're just having a chat. 
I mean, the rules changed pretty much immediately uh, because, (laughs) because like the, the building person heard about it and was like, okay, you've made your point. That was like not a cool rule for them to have made, but you have to put a shirt on. I was like, yeah, no, that's fine. I can do that. <laughs> okay. But I, I put it in your face, so fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree with this, this level of punk rock. This is cool to me. <laughs> but um, something that you mentioned, though, that I like have to go back to is you're totally mm-hmm. right that Chris also was trying to have sex with her before her birthday. And yeah. like- his reasoning is weirder to me because there is no reasoning. It's just, it's your birthday soon. We've been together for so long, so we should. At least the yeah. vampire has the excuse of like, if this doesn't happen, I'm dying forever, which still not a great excuse because the amount of men who've been like, oh my God, if I don't have sex, I'm going to die. Like grow up. But like, <laughs> this at least makes sense other than boyfriend that's just like, well, I feel like I, I deserve it at this point. <laughs> also grow up yeah uh, this is this really is have you considered my penis the movie it, it is so in your face how much his need to have sex like not since friday the 13th part 3d has a boyfriend come up with more fucking sex plans for someone you're not having sex with currently and he just is at it all the time. And then in her ear is Martin Kemp going, every hour that passes weakens me more. Like, cool. <laughs> Am I supposed to be happy or sad about that? My dude? It's like, I don't even know you. Right, it's like, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not my problem to have. This is, this is a YP, not an MP. And then on top of that, whenever Charlotte and <laughs> this guy kiss, it is the loudest recorded kisses ever. <laughs> like they took that audio track and everyone's footsteps and cranked them to 11. The sound person on this film should be in the Hague. I don't have to hear every scrape of a chunky heel. And yet I am treated to it. <laughs> Speaking of chunky heels, we have Eliza played by, Jordan Ladd uh, with her hair bleached beyond the point of reason. She's also wearing a body of evidence style beret. If you're wondering (laughs) what fashion was like now, we now have two examples, Gina of beret equals sexy, which I don't believe is true. And I blame 1995 for. Yeah. I mean, berets were certainly more of a thing in 95 than shapeless sex. (laughs) Well, how else are people going to know that you're artistic? That's true. (laughs) That's very true. I also love that this movie let me know. So there are a few words in in the English language that not everybody can pull off. One of those words is the C word, as in not cancer, but the other one. Mm -hmm. Jordan Ladd can pull off yelling that at a door and calling someone the C word. I was very pleased with her delivery of that. I was like, look at you. You can pull that word off. Not a lot of people can. A lot of people sound like a child swearing for the first time and you really put some oomph behind it. Yeah. I mean, this the problems with this movie, with the exception of Martin Kemp, are not really derived from its casting. They, there's, they, they've gotten a bumper crop of talented women. It is... Every doofus that they're forced to play (laughs) against throughout the entire movie that really just lets out the gas, the air of the balloon. 
Um, and I obviously I can't also, prove this, but uh-huh. I do think that that might be a reflection of the fact that the director was a woman because, you know, I did read some some more interviews and Alyssa Milano talked about how like, yeah, I'll, the only issues I have with this movie are how like other people reacted to it. I felt very safe on set. I was cool with everything that I did. I felt comfortable with my cast. Part of me thinks like, you know, a lot of the women on this cast probably felt very comfortable to really go there and do something. And the men might've been a little on edge uh, and maybe that's why they all feel so stunted and weird. <laughs> yeah. They also seem to have come off a, a, a bench of just bland sort of Canadian high school soap opera. There's a, a type that sort of pervades all of this on, on the men's side. And I just wish they'd been up to the level of the women because maybe it, there had been a bit more spark. I mean, when you put any guy weirdly unshaven in mustard yellow, green, and brown together in one outfit. And I just, I look back at my life and I'm like, I was not nearly shaggy enough in my youth. I should have been more confident in wearing these colors that do not go together. (laughs) (laughs) Together, like Milo does in this party scene, where every song they play on the radio is just, Yarled to the end point. It's just like we get it. We all listen to Pearl Jam. We can move on. Famous party band, Pearl Jam. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you bring the rhythm and the funk, of course. (laughs) Truly. This is at a college campus where hip hop does not exist. And so what you get is either just Pearl Jam yarling or one soul to soul song. And that, and, and yeah, at the beginning, that's what, that's how, you know, that's erotic. So they cranked up a Enya to 11. Um, at one point someone says, I'm your destiny unironically. And I'm like, come on. Come on. <laughs> 10 years after Back to the Future, you're going with I'm your destiny? I don't think so. You've watched movies. I watched movies. Yeah, you just, there are certain lines where after they become just like definitive from another movie, don't do it again. Because then yeah. I think of, like, it makes me laugh. It doesn't feel sexy. It doesn't feel seductive. Like, it just doesn't work. No. Uh, and then uh, Rachel True's character, Nicole, <laughs> sacrifices Charlotte to some rando in the basement. Uh, Nicole gets caught up in a net that she's held on by gravity in her hands. And Martin Kemp gnaws on her neck. And that's it. And we go to a fantasy where where somehow the vampire's on top of Charlotte. And now, like a couple weeks in a row, Gina, we've had guys having sex with ladies with their pants on and i'm not cool with this this is not cool no 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 this this does not work no i don't want anyone i don't want my zipper rubbing up against somebody in their very most private places that is not uh attractive that is a dangerous situation uh, and they, they deserve to be taken care of i can take off my pants and so can martin kemp but will but would he take off his pants? Well, later on, we get to see two scoops of Chris's buns. Um, and, that, and I mean, you know, I've seen better. I've seen a lot worse. Uh, they can't all be but, Ryan Phillippe and cruel intentions. We really, really can't. Um, 
And so if you're keeping track, we, at this point, I think we've had four or five confirmed dream sequences. If you took <laughs> the dream sequences out of the movie, it would be 25 minutes. Yeah. This is a short film without dream sequences. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it is amazing how little actually happens. in this. Almost nothing happens in it because like, Martin Kemp is reasonably attractive, but he's not risk it all hot. No. But neither is Chris. No. Neither is anyone else other than Jennifer Tilly is risk it all hot in this movie. But yeah, but we also we also have to tell the audience like she doesn't show up till like the last twenty five minutes, maybe. Yeah. And Probably is, the film's worst crime, of course. Right. And she yes. is maybe in it a grand total of about less than ten. She makes him count, though. And you know what? Oh, yeah. That's all I need. Yeah, I actually messaged Patrick. I was like, now we're cooking. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think we got a movie going here when Jennifer Tilly shows up. It's like a breath of fresh air. You're like, I had oh, no my idea. God. I had no idea that she was in it. I, I can't remember if she was listening to the opening credits, but I was like, oh, look at that. Jennifer Tilly. But the, the movie's numbed you to the point where... You even forget the promise of Jennifer Tilly until she shows up and the audible gasp of like, oh, a professional is here. Okay. All right. I can. And that's really it though, because it's like, again, I don't understand why if you are a vampire with the ability to turn into hot women, you wouldn't just be hot women because both of the hot women are also better at seducing people in this movie than he is by like a considerable margin. (laughs) Just on a level of seduction. He is not good at this. There's a reason why he's going sleepy time bye-bye for eternity. And that's because he sucks at this and not in a good way. And the other thing too is like, if Charlotte is supposed to have, you know, like she's the, the energy of his beloved or whatever, how long has he been chasing his beloved to where he's about to die in three days? How many people has he failed with? Maybe (laughs) this is a sign the give it up, my guy. Yeah. The Nosferatu diary reads a lot like an incel post yes. just, why don't these ladies love me i give so much to them i give them on <laughs> i show up in pirate shirt it's like dude you're not there's so low effort you could be jennifer tilly whenever you want and you chose to wait until 10 minutes to death to do it fuck off you deserve to die Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. If he would have been like, oh, my lady is dead. Let me be Jennifer Tilly for five minutes. Your problem would have been solved a hundred years ago. <laughs> you would have been swimming in it. And no, you wait to, to launch that on fucking Chris of all people. You waste that on Chris. I do oh like that God. it implies that he's also, you know, bisexual uh, because mm-hmm. of all his forms he takes and the people he seduces. He's an equal opportunity seductor. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I also think like that is the the bisexuality of it all is the most interesting part of Embrace of the Vampire and the one it least wants to reckon with as a subject matter, which I find odd. Why introduce it if you don't want to engage with it? Because it's the more interesting tack of this that it's quite possible that Charlotte is not interested in sex with Chris because she's not interested in sex with Chris or the vampire or most dudes. 
she's much more interested in having sex with the gal on her floor from the golden child and Jennifer Tilly or anyone else. That seems to be a more interesting path for the movie and one it just does not want to engage with beyond titillation. Well, it's the nineties. So yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's really all you have to say. It's like, this is all very much, you know, for, for the, the, the male gaze. And that's why I think that, that, uh, that, 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 that BJ was right that, you know, yes, a, a, a woman directed this movie, but there's a lot of male interference in it. Yeah. And it's a shame that we also just really have not evolved from this because about the time we're recording this, there is a clip currently going viral from the new Jenna Ortega movie where she makes out with Gideon Adlin in it. And the amount of people who have like busted out their cell phones in the middle of a movie theater to record Jenna Ortega kissing a girl is absurd. It's like, how are we still doing this guys? Like, I get it. I'm a very gay lady. It's very cool when I get to see that on screen, especially with one of like the biggest starlets. But we know that you're doing this because (laughs) girls kissing and like, come on, grow up. Another great fantasy of this film is the idea that you could offer somebody a closed cigarette and say, you'll love this. No, you won't. (laughs) You will cough and grimace. (laughs) you will go why the fuck would anyone put this in their lungs and just throw it on the ground close cigarettes don't do it you can try (laughs) just about any other kind of cigarette and you'll probably end up in a better place than you will be than habitually smoking clove cigarettes brought to you by theater departments since 1972 i was just gonna say if you're smoking clove cigarettes you are either in the theater department or you're doing slam poetry actively Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> now, now, now. Some of us did both. <laughs> uh, and so th- uh, we do have this very full lesbian scene um, that we get to crank up 94.7 the wave during a glamour shot sesh. And for whatever reason, uh, Charlotte is wearing this Mm, this seems too dowdy for Princess Leia. Let's let's put her in this outfit, <laughs> this Swiss Miss sort of thing going on that she disrobes. And over the course of what feels like eternity, she eventually gets topless and they start to make out a little bit. And then there's a lot of loud sternum kissing. And then uh, she's like, oops, uh, my bad. Uh, no want. And, and she's like, okay. And she just walks out. Of course, isn't Charlotte or Jordan land outside? Like, whoa, (laughs) she like, like a wolf whose jaw drops to the ground and the, the tongue rolls out like a red carpet. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wish that they would have actually gone that far. Like, could you imagine just like a random spontaneous, like now we're in the mask sort of reaction. It's (laughs) real. <laughs> and uh so this 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 I wish I could tell you that there was a plot but there just isn't it, you're just it, it progresses to the point where over the course of the movie Charlotte gets hornier and hornier and hornier and more and more dream sequences happen and um then but very little sex 
And it kind of culminates in this giant like bacchanal of a party in which Jordan Land slips Charlotte uh, uh, ecstasy in her drink. And then this seems to open her up to a whole level of possibilities. (laughs) She's really expanded her mind uh, using drugs. So good for her, I guess. I mean, I I doubt that, you know, women tend to roofie other women very often but but yeah you know but sure we can we can we can pretend that's a thing that happens why not because before that it's just like she's going to art class she's getting a d and she's got a dorky vampire yapping in her ear constantly i would find it hard to concentrate too if this guy was like i I, we could have eternal life together like oh shut up man i have a d in art history this is a gimme class <laughs> I got a D. Yeah, this is when we have the dream sequences where we see two coops, two scoops of Chris, and and meanwhile Martin Camp is like, oh no no no, I'm showing up to this maybe topless, but I gotta have pants on. No one can see me south of the border. And it's like, <laughs> at a certain point, if Chris can show them cheeks, maybe you can pop those bad boys out let's see what buns have been in the oven no not nothing like that it just it's so fucking boring it's like a He's old-fashioned sex pileup. <laughs> and after this dream <laughs> she's like um i don't want chris anymore like I've, I've come as close as i will ever come to having sex with chris and i'm Choose the girl on the other side of the hall. That's a good choice. Stick with that. Mm-hmm. Listen to your listen to your gut in the circumstance, Charlotte. Yeah, I'm very much on Team Charlotte. Uh, experiment and date around a bit. Yeah, or just hang out at local bars long enough until Jennifer Tilly arrives. She's God. playing supposedly playing a character named Marika. Introduces herself once. Her name is never spoken of again. And honestly, the toughest acting gig of a lifetime is pretending to be attracted to this Chris guy in this current state because he's, he is not, he's like, oh, lady. And I get it. Hard to be cool in the presence of Jennifer Tilly, but try to pull it together. She's try. also got a Just- dagger tattoo on her titty, which is like, and of course he does like the most obvious thing go, did that hurt? Come on, guy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but this allows her to whisper moan in his ear. Why don't you kiss it and make it feel better? <laughs> I wish I could do a Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> I don't do impressions, but I, I've had a nice string of them in this year. But Jennifer Tilly is not something I can pull off. So yeah, my, yeah, she, uh, my apologies to her, it is hard her family. To do, it is hard to do the sexy baby voice well. And, and, I, and I think yeah. she's, she yeah. is the, the master of the sexy baby voice. And she's the only one who makes a sexy baby not um, hugely babyish. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's just great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to be born Jennifer Tilly. You can't become Jennifer Tilly. Otherwise, all of us would, because why the fuck wouldn't right. you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we all had the ability <laughs> to, to you know, shapeshift into Jennifer Tilly, there would be six billion Jennifer Tillys on this planet. It would absolutely <laughs> just turn into that episode of The Twilight Zone, the number 12 looks just like you, but it's just Jennifer Tilly. Like, that's what it would be. It's like, oh, I'm 18 and I get to choose. I will take the Jennifer Tilly model. Thank you. 
Yeah. You just walk in a park just, and there's like a, a, a Matrix uh, reloaded scene of like, you know, 100 Jenner Fertilis fighting in a, in a, in a schoolyard. <laughs> That's what I Again. hope my version of heaven looks like when I die. <laughs> Why didn't they make a hundred different versions of, of Jennifer Tilly to fight Neo in that movie? That also would have improved that film by leaps and bounds. Again, if you have access to a Jennifer Tilly, nevertheless, the many, many Jennifer Tillys it would require to have that kind of fight. Why don't you fucking do it already? And the already? Wachowskis have access because they put yes. her in bound. They could have done this. Sisters, they, you're they in got trouble. Her on speed <laughs> dial. Like... Come on. <laughs> the good news is that Charlotte has graduated from clove cigarettes to full on cigs and she's doing great with it. She has one cigarette and already she's doing that thing where she breathes smoke and it goes up through her nose and out. Like, come on. You can't be that good at smoking that. Yeah, that's, fast pro- that's with professional. One pill that's of ecstasy. That's professional level smoking. I love the way that she looks on screen with it too, because obviously like smoking is bad. I went to dare. I understand, but nothing (laughs) ever looks cooler on like a movie in a movie than smoking. It looks cool. It's ridiculous. Like I, 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 you know, I, I tell people that, you know, I'm not a fan of smoking. I am a fan of people who can do that thing where they take those, like the Zippo lighters and open it on their thigh. And I'm like, that's the coolest fucking <laughs> yeah. thing anybody can do. It's just like, click. I'm like, oh, you know, whoever you are, the, I just want to hang out with you because you are probably the coolest person who ever lived. The closest I ever got to it was I used to have a, a weed dugout, which is a little wood box. And it would have a, a, a small pipe and it used to pop out with a spring. So I could uh, move the little door and it would, it would pop out into my hand. And I practice this over and over and over again to impress Becky's friends. And did it? It did not impress Becky. But it, yeah, yes, on occasion it did. I won them over because I, I'm a very dorky person. So I had to uh, appear cool in some way, shape, or form. And so that was as close to it as I got. Um, you know, cough, smoking weed to this day, but still, I, I the display was interesting at the very least. I, I could peacock with it. Um, this party goes on for two fucking days. Um, <laughs> just, and just if this, if you sped up the movie, it would probably be seventy five minutes at best. Um, and you get a lot of Alyssa Milano in a velour baby doll dress, which I'm not going to complain about. She walks around this party. I get it. Sex exists. Um, And then uh, Chris is like, somehow, because the, the script demands him to do so, he rejects Jennifer Tilly and having sex on metal stairs. The only time having sex on metal stairs would be good. And then uh, he is trying to make his way to the party and then Martin Kemp transforms back from Jennifer Tilly and grabs him from behind. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is going to get interesting. All right, finally. And no, it, nothing nothing comes of it. <laughs> he just walks away. Yep. It, 
what is the point of this being a vampire movie? This entire movie is just an over the pants rub down. Like that's what it is. <laughs> like that's the equivalent of sexual gratification you're yeah. getting. Yeah, it's no, not, it is, it, it it's is. not comfortable. You yeah. feel like it's going to lead to something more and it just doesn't. It's a lot of uh, hand job at uh, Beetlejuice uh, performance <laughs> level sexuality. It really is though. So much illegal use of tongue in this movie. People just can't keep their tongues in their mouth in this film. And every time they're kissing, there's a lot of visible tongue down someone's throat. It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it just, it, if I didn't have to hear it so much, maybe it would be fine. Yeah. If, if something is going to lead the person who writes the captions, like the closed captions to have to write the word slurping sounds, we've <laughs> gone too far. Uh, I believe you're referring to the slurping sounds that come from Martin Kemp after he bashes <laughs> Jordan Lad's head into a door. He then spends, and I timed it, 60 seconds lapping up gore there's off the like, door. There's like, there's, like, there's like a smear of blood on the door, and it, and it takes him yeah. so long to to <sighs> lick it off. And it's still it's still there. <laughs> he pulls it's away. still there. <laughs> He pulls away. There's more saliva on his face than gore. And it's like, you spent a full minute licking fake blood off a door. And what did we get from it? Nothing. And all I can think is like how many decades of people's like sweaty palms have been against that door, (laughs) pushing the door. It's the same reason why when people are like, ooh, the bathwater scene and salt burn, I'm like, bathwater is people soup. That's disgusting. Like the part that's supposed to be hot is completely like destroyed by how gross this actually is. That door is a Petri dish. Ew. (laughs) Oh my God. God knows how many times it's been painted over and you only have to get through so many layers before you hit lead. But that's okay. He's going to die in 10 minutes anyways. So why not go out on a high? (laughs) Put put us all out of our misery and just go away. (laughs) And you're thinking, well, what we really need is a finale to really cap this off. A big fight scene where everyone's uh, fighting for the soul of Alyssa Milano. And what you get is one use of force lightning. And then Martin Kemp gets a tummy ache. And that's your final fight, everyone. That, that that's is, it. That is, that's it. It is so, it is in, in both senses of the word, anticlimactic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is an ending that comes with a, I swear this never happens. <laughs> but he uses the last bit of his vampire magic to force lightning Chris, who crumples to the ground. And he's like, oof, oh, I gotta go bathroom. And then dies. And that's it. That's the movie. We did it. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it was anything different. He goes up to a different room where he's got a bunch of rugs and his big Nosferatu diary. And he throws it on the ground. And he's like, oh, me don't feel good. End of movie. Oh, you did forget one crucial thing. Chris telling yeah. her happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> And she, oh, this is where you need an after credit scene where she's just throwing his shit out of her room and saying, I don't want you around ever again. <laughs> I don't care how often you showed up here in the middle of the night with your stupid Ford four door. Get the fuck out. I never want to see you again. You don't even go to this school. <laughs> I just want her to be like, I'm 18 now. Bye. 
<laughs> I'm an adult. I make adult decisions now. I can vote. Well, I don't know. I don't know what voting age is in Canada, uh, but I, I don't even know if this was take this was filmed in Canada. It, it, it just feels it, I was say, like it, it feels was. Canadian. Mm-hmm. It's the most uh, unpopulated college campus on the face of the planet. It looks beautiful, but like it's just empty for whatever reason like 15 people go there and um, all the ladies are hot and all the guys are eh, i guess yeah this is very much the uh we shot here when there was no school in session and these were the only people we could fill it with and i did look it up it's in Faribault, minnesota so not quite oh. canada but close as close as you can get without going over the line, Price is Right style. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if not actually Canada, it is culturally Canadian. Just It just feels that There's way. definitely a professor there that says sorry, so that's all you need. <laughs> uh, and so this brings to end this Nosferatu diary, but be- before we can say the end... Uh, with a, uh, uh, a moose and squirrel uh, with stardust behind them. We have to play a little game we call Choose Your Own Death Venture, and that's where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this film. If you were forced to die that way, which one, which way would you choose and why? Up for bid, we have get your neck snapped and then your blood consumed, get bitten on the neck by a vampire, but don't become a vampire yourself, have your head bashed into a door a whole bunch or have a vampire tummy ache and fall over into your Nosferatu diary. And BJ, as our guest, I choose you to go first. Um, so part of me was like, ooh, maybe the vampire tummy ache because I have IBS. So I'm already living the vampire tummy ache life just in real life. So maybe mm-hmm. I can make that better. I've got a lot of experience here. But really, I'm going to go with the Jordan lad through the door. Uh, push me through the whole door. Like if I'm going out <laughs> through a door, getting banged against it, I want to be crashing through this ancient door and, you know, dying because the splinter, you know, impales me or something. We're not going to do any of this pathetic head slamming thing. We're going for it. Go get the whole Voorhees special sort of yes, deal. Yes, absolutely. If you're gonna if you're gonna die getting pushed into a door, make it count. Yeah, I don't think Martin Kemp has that kind of power. Unfortunately, he's um, all his power is in his legs. I guess we're not allowed <laughs> to see them, <laughs> but they're certainly not in his upper body. Uh, Gina, what say you? Uh, gosh, you know, I do, I do like the door slamming. I think that is the that and Jennifer Tilly are the are the only times that this movie's like, you know, hey, wake up, wake up. Like, you know, kind of like, right. you know, sn- snapping its fingers in the audience's face. And, you mm-hmm. know, but again, like Jennifer Tilly, it's right at the end of the movie. It's too little too late. So I think I will actually say the, the, uh, getting bitten through a net by a, 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 a clumsy, inept vampire because it's very much like this might as well happen. the kind of scene yeah. and, and it's just mm-hmm. it's so absurd and if you can find this clip online i say look it up because it, it, it is a true you want to do another take of this no <laughs> you're, you're good you're good with how this looks oh, okay all right, <laughs> all right. Next, next shot you know, we, we, you know we're done people call it a wrap uh, but yeah, yeah so, it's like they're editing it in camera it's it's a real odd decision. yeah so i'll take away rachel true dies i guess she presumably <laughs> dies right 
kind of she just she never shows she up just again. disappears and uh, I, I don't think she's ever mentioned again no it's just like she doesn't exist people move on with their that's lives that's why I wasn't sure <laughs> she just, actually I thought it was a dream sequence at first yeah it might as well be is the other thing she might still be alive we don't know. The movie is not interested in giving us answers. It's also not interested in giving us questions. It's not interested. The motion picture. <laughs> um, as far as the death goes, I personally feel like using the last bit of my magic for force lightning and dying by a tummy ache feels very on brand for me. <laughs> Uh, that's generally how every week goes by. So we've got that going for me. Uh, but before we go, uh, BJ, uh, why don't you tell people uh, where they can uh, see and hear more from you on these uh, internets? Sure. I am on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Blue Sky at BJ Colangelo. I am the lead evening news editor at slash film um so you can find my my musings over there and then i co-host the podcast this ends at prom with my wife harmony where we talk about coming of age stories of all genres and decades um and it's a, a whole lot of fun we talk about a lot of movies that uh, people have forgotten about and it's <laughs> nice to it's nice to give them the attention they deserve Absolutely. I cannot recommend This Ends at Prom enough. I, I think you two are delightful and I, I think you have a, a fantastic, obviously you have a fantastic chemistry, but it really comes off on the show and a general love for the material that you're dealing with. Uh, people should check it out. Gina, uh, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about movies and television at the school.net. I have a substack, you know, watch things, uh, dot substack.com. Uh, and I am on all social media except Twitter under Gina does. Do it today, people. Check it out. Uh, Josh Hall says all of our artwork. Go to Revenge Body Memphis at bandcamp.com to get this theme and all of our remixes. Uh, join us on Patreon for bonus episodes. Rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, all those reviews uh, help us be seen and heard by more people. Uh, and that just about does it uh, for this month of erotic thrillers. <laughs> I don't. Were Gina, you thrilled? Did we ever find a thriller? Did we land on a thriller at any point? You know, honestly, I'm shocked that that the the episode of the Hitchhiker that we did with Kay was actually ended up the best thing we we watched yeah. we watched for this. Uh, BJ, have you ever seen this episode of the Hitchhiker? No, called Face to Face. It. I, I it's it's stunning to me. I I still keep thinking about it because it's it's a normal like Twilight Zone with boobs episode of the Hitchhiker, and they just allow this one trans character to actually like express her experience uh, without being judgmental in any way, shape, or form, and just it feels so genuine. You wonder like who knew somebody who. Who decided? It feels that very. This person- it feels very personal, which is which yeah. is which is. Well, now like, I gotta watch that. Yeah, I mean, and from nineteen eighty three to to like as far as like trans characters being treated with respect, 
basically all you had at that point was like John Lithgow, the world according to Garp, and that is right. it. <laughs> and yeah. and but it's really remarkable. Like when we went into this, we were like, mm, this is probably going to be very uncomfortable. No, it was shockingly you know, you treated with empathy. Which I mean, the rest of the episode is pretty dumb. But oh, yeah. but the yeah. but the way that this character is treated was really remarkable. They spend a good seven minutes treating this person like a human being as they should be treated. And the rest of the time they're like, I don't know, let's do coke off of boobs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a normal, it's a normal episode of the hitchhiker. And uh, it's just such a weird juxtaposition and Kay brought it to us. And I keep thinking about it's just because it's just not found like it should be more common. It, it, what's weird about it is it's not more common. And it and this stupid episode of the Hitchhiker managed to accomplish this in 1983. Oh, it's shocking how that stuff happens. Like my wife bought a poster of a movie called uh, "I Want What I Want" from like the 70s, and it was Mm -hmm. like you know, man wants to be a woman, and we were like, oh well, this is going to be awful. We have to watch it. We gotta. And then we watched it, and we're like, wait, why is this brilliant? And it's from (laughs) the 70s, and it's so thoughtful. What the hell? <laughs> uh yeah, it, it is uh, it is wild and I but I'm so happy it exists. I'm so glad that Kay brought it to us to to talk about. And then everything else that I thought would be, you know, the more standard fare ended up being um uh pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's just interminable. Unfortunately. It's just interminable. <laughs> Uh, you know, next year we'll let everyone else choose what our After Dark movies will be. Maybe we'll get, maybe they'll be better producers than I am. Uh, or Kay. Kay is the best producer we had all month. <laughs> so thank you to her. Um, uh, but that just about does it uh, for this episode. Uh, don't worry, folks. The body count will continue. For myself, Gina, and BJ, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.